You're listening to The Other End of the Reading Rope, the podcast for busy teachers who want practical strategies for language comprehension and writing that will engage your students and save your sanity. I'm your host, Leslie Lawson, a former reading specialist and coach. Let's get on to the show. We're busy people! Hey guys, I'm just wondering, do you follow my Instagram? If you follow my Instagram, you will see lots and lots of written tips and suggestions and lesson plans and TPT resources that are out there for you that follow along with what you hear on my podcast. If you're not a follower, please join now. I'll link it in my show notes. See you soon. Hey, you guys, today on our podcast, we are going to be diving into two more executive skills. Um, And these two truly impact um, reading comprehension in ways that, um, you know, some we can control and fix and some we really and truly can't. And all we can do is support the kids um, when they are struggling with these issues. So you may have guessed by that introduction that we are talking about impulse control and we're also talking about working memory. Um, And these two areas truly do impact um, what students get out of what what they're reading. And so today I'm going to talk to you about some things you can um, do to practice it. I'm going to talk about uh, why it impacts reading comprehension. And I'm also going to talk about some things that you may uh, look for, especially with working memory. I think we can all tell kids who have impulse control issues, uh, but the working memory can sometimes be masked. And um, that is something that there are some key things to look for. um, And I'm going to talk to you guys about that. So when you think about working memory, um, working memory is that short term memory, not the long term memory, the kids are usually pretty good at remembering things from their life or things that happened long ago. Um, But it's that working memory, short term memory that these kids with executive functioning issues struggle with. And so if you think about reading comprehension, When you are reading a text, you have to gather ideas from the text. You have to link ideas together in ways that make sense, or maybe as the author intended. You need to connect those ideas to what the reader knows and update their ever-changing mental model every time they encounter new information. In addition to what they read, they add information from the visuals that are on the page, either your text features or, you know, sometimes there's illustrations that add to your memory or add to the story. Um, And then that last little thing called visualization, which is that visual images that they create in their head. That is a lot of work, (laughs) a lot of pieces that students have to be able to do automatically. And as you might imagine, uh, poor readers usually struggle with that visualization piece or that connecting piece. They may be able to do bits of it or parts of it, 
um, but then they might get lost in the details or they may, um, you know, struggle with inferences because they're just reading the literal uh, words on the page. Working memory to me um, really is a big factor in what students actually can comprehend. And when I think about all the years I've worked with struggling readers, um, these behaviors that I'm about to give you as look fors, I'm like checking it off. Oh yeah, they couldn't do that. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But in my mind, um, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I, I guess I didn't realize that it was all tied to working memory. And if I had, what implications could I have used with that information? Um, and some school districts, my school district is one of them, where working memory could be um, an indicator for some special education support. Um, it may be under, you know, when, you, when they do their testing, working memory is, along with processing is one of the things they tease out and they look for. So you may realize that some of these kids who have severe working memory issues may need some additional support. Um, that maybe a classroom teacher or even an interventionist isn't able to provide. So think about that. So these are your kids who, when you are reading with them, um, they may recall irrelevant information. So you're reading a story about a dog who's chasing a cat and the kid says to you, oh, I have a dog. My dog is furry. They're brown, you know, and give you very irrelevant information based on one word or one image that it evokes in their brain. Um, now, let me give a disclaimer here because every kindergartner and first grader does this. <laughs> it's developmentally appropriate in kindergarten and first grade. But if you're working with a fifth grader, and I'm thinking of one I've been working with recently, um, who tries to bring in irrelevant information, you need to just stop them in the process and say, is that in the text? Is that in the text to try and keep them focused on what it is that they're reading? So again, working memory kids have trouble with recalling. Sometimes they recall this irrelevant information. They also lack conceptual knowledge that might be relevant to the text. So you're reading through a passage, especially like a nonfiction text, um, and they're, they're lacking that conceptual knowledge of how the words fit together to create a concept. Um, it makes me think about like cause and effect and how cause and effect is really hard for them because they might read the cause, but they don't understand that e effect relates back to the cause. Um, because these students with working memory struggle with forgetting things at the end of what they have learned. So, for example, if you think about the kids who you ask them a question and they'll tell you the information from the beginning of the story but not the end of the story, um, that's, that's a sign of working memory issues. They may have a lot of inattention. They may have some mind wandering when you're reading. They may forget things that they have learned. Um, how many times do you work with a child and one of the vocabulary words on the page is going to be, say, um, uh, let me think of a good one here. Um, 
explicit. Let's say that's the word, explicit. You teach them what explicit means. You help them break the word apart before they read it. We see it on the page. The first time we, we help them, we give them some scaffolds again to work through it. They say the word explicit. They read it in the, in the sentence. And then two, two sentences later, explicit is there again. And they have to go through the process of figuring it all out all over again. Um, that often happens with names. So if you're teaching a child like a story and there's a name like Sandra and they don't know that name, um, they have a hard time remembering that name throughout the story. So um, that's in a, you know, an example of forgetting things that they have learned. And these kids often have a lack of interest in schoolwork. And that's because it's hard for them. And it, you know, they forget things as soon as they learn them. Um, and so they start to um, find other ways to find interest in school, maybe socially, maybe behaviorally, uh, maybe they just disengage and they color or they draw. Um, so you will see those types of um, habits that happen with children with working memory. So let's talk a little bit more about working memory. Um, working memory is that ability to hold information in mind while completing a task. So for example, let's ask them to think about um, some word order. And you may say to the kids something like um, alphabet, banana, cat, what would be the next word? Um, most kids would be able to think of a word that starts with D, but these children may have a really hard time understanding that that's what they're supposed to be looking to do. Um, if you say some letters and you ask them to repeat them backwards, you could say, you know, A, B, Q, K, and they may say A, B, K, Q. Um, so they reverse those letters when you're asking them to repeat them backwards. A great game that you can do in your morning meeting time are those name game type activities or pocket games where you say, um, I'm putting an object in my pocket and it must start with C. Um, and then the kids will say, I'm putting a cookie in my pocket. And the next kid would say, I'm putting a cookie and a cake in my pocket. And the next kid would have to remember cookie, cake, and their own. That's really hard for children um, with working memory issues. Um, alphabetical order games like that. Um, they have a hard time with that. Remembering student names um, and something that a student likes. So you could say, um, my name is Johnny and I like, um, I like, gosh, why can't I think of a J word off the top of my head? My name is Johnny and I like juggling. And then the next kid would say, my name is Bobby and I like bananas. And his name is Johnny and he likes juggling. Things like that. Um, those practice games are really good for the kids. Here's an adaptation that I would do in my classroom is if I knew I had some students with working memory issues, I would try to put them around number four or five. Now, obviously you're going to have more than four or five kids in your class um, and you're gonna have more, a lot of kids with working memory issues. Um, so you may wanna give them a heads up or maybe only have those kids remember three things or the th people that were three before them. 
um, because asking them to remember, you know, putting them at the end of the list and having them remember all 20 is going to be really, really difficult for them. So working memory and reading, it is storage, but it's also processing. And so when you're constructing and remembering text, that means you are, you know, trying to remember things that you have read at the same time that you are decoding the words, you're processing your pronoun references, you're encountering new ideas in a text, and you're up updating in your mind how the text has changed. Um, you are remembering meaning while connecting prior knowledge to this text. You might be inferring missing bits of information or filling in gaps. You might be using strategies to monitor or, or maintain your meaning. And you might be keeping a goal in mind while, while reading. Now, good readers have good memories and they can keep some of those things in mind while they're doing other things. But our struggling readers and our students with working memory, they really have a hard time um, juggling all of those um, aspects, those processes of reading um, at one, one time. So what can you do in the classroom? Well, one of the things we've talked about in this series is, is teaching our children about working memory and, and not keeping it a secret, but saying, you know, I notice you have some trouble with remembering things that we have just taught. You know, that is normal for some kids. This is why that you are struggling with remembering this. So let's walk through a certain section of a story and we're going to we're going to ask certain questions to help you remember those important information. Now you may have heard that same strategy used um, back with organizing information or planning um, executive functioning. And that's because a lot of these strategies do overlap um, because, you know, they're good strategies. So if I'm working with a child um, and I think that they may be having some inferencing problems or maybe even some recall problems, I might ask them questions like, you know, who was the story about? Where was it happening? Why was this action important? Um, how did it happen? Where, you know, where were they in the story? Asking questions like that will help lead them to inferences and also will help lead them to um, retain information. Think alouds. Think alouds is another thing that's really good for working memory. Um, and I have to say that a lot of teachers I talk to feel like think alouds are kind of redundant or not very important because they feel like their kids are getting it but it's important to remember that those silent kids in your class are not using think the think alouds is what really helps them to understand because they don't naturally do the processes that you're using when you're thinking aloud if you don't like doing it whole group then think alouds in a small group is something that you can do with those kids that you know struggle with working memory it really is important for them and to eventually get the kids to share their thinking aloud of what they're thinking practicing working memory you can practice the uh, working memory skills like some of the games that we talked about earlier um, morning meeting type games. There's also something called a re reading span task, and I've, I've left an example of that um, 
in the packet that's attached to this um, in the show notes. And so a reading span task is basically like when you ask a kid a question um, and you say to them, um, I like to play in the sand at the blank and they have to fill in what the blank is. Um, that's because they sometimes need to weed through the details in the first part of the sentence in order to make that relationship at the end of the sentence. Again, it seems kind of basic, but this is one of those things that our kiddos who are struggling with um, memory skills struggle with. And so doing activities like that orally or in writing, um, it could be a warm up to what you're reading, um, but that is a really great important thing you can do. You can also do activities where you're asking them to remember the last bits of information. So if you are, you know, telling them, hey, we're going to practice this set of um, words, I want you to tell me what the last word was we said. And so I might say, you know, eagle, um, ostrich, robin, um, blue heron. What was the last bird we talked about? And see if they can remember blue heron. Um, Talking about ambiguous language is really important for these kids because they struggle with homophones, they struggle with multiple meaning words, um, and they struggle with context clues. So spending some time on those three things would be really important for them. And then teaching them how to visualize. Um, I know sketch noting is really gaining some traction um, for students with working memory skill to have them draw what is happening at that section that you're reading about, especially um, a couple of my classroom teachers have done sketch noting when they're doing their like fun read aloud with the kids. So if they're reading aloud, um, say because of Winn-Dixie, they might have the kids draw an image of what's happening in the story during that time um, to help with memory. Also manipulatives, you know, all, whenever you can put their hands on something manipulative, um, the better. And you can do something like the who, what, where, when, how cards or put them on. Um, I've seen some of my teachers write those letters on um, like, um, Oh my gosh, I'm having a mental break myself. Uh, they put them on the cubes, those interlocking locking cubes, Unifix cubes. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, but Unifix cubes and have them write them on there and then they can hold on to the word that's the one that says why or the one that says who while they're speaking. Um, again, here's another thing we've talked about before is understanding pronouns and who the pronouns are. Um, who the, who the pronouns refer back to. And, you know, I keep seeing that in a lot of research that I'm reading that our students don't always get who the pronouns are referring to. Um, and I know, I can tell you for a fact that in my class, years in the classrooms, I did not know that was an issue. Um, so that's been a really interesting eye-opening thing that keeps coming up in research. And it's one of the things I've worked with my struggling readers that I um, do interventions with or um, that I help with classroom teachers. We've been working on that a lot more. Um, and so I'm curious to see um, the effects of, of us working on teaching that relationship. And then um, last but not least, let's dive into inhibition a little bit. So inhibition and impulse control, 
truly the only thing that's going to help <laughs> with that. And I hate to say this, but it is medication. Um, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of parents who, I don't want to say unfortunately, because people have reasons for not putting their kids on ADHD information. But unfortunately, um, that is one of the hardest executive skills to, um, to, to support without medication. I mean, it's just a, it's just a fact. So, but let me tell you how inhibition affects reading comprehension. Um, you have to be able to stay on task and focus in order to construct meaning. Um, and we know that with these kids who have impulse control issues. So these are the kids, um, when you here's some things to look for. When you're looking at a kid with an impulse control issue, they're the ones who will call out in a relevant word meaning. So if you're talking about a traffic jam, they may think that jam means the sticky stuff they put on their toast. Um, they have trouble ignoring irrelevant details. They may get caught up in all the words and not be able to ignore those distracting words. They're the kids who are always blurting out stories that are only a little bit related to text. Also, that, that goes along with the working memory example I gave earlier. They have a hard time ignoring distractions while reading. Um, I was working with a kid the other day during a testing situation, and I noticed he was like making gestures with his hands. And, I'm, and I walked over to him and I said, are you okay? And he says, they're chewing really loudly near me. And sure enough, there was a girl chewing gum to focus and he couldn't, um, he couldn't ignore that. And so they have a lot of distractions when they're reading that gets in the way of their concentration. Um, and so these are your blurters. They're the ones who are going to say what comes to their mind first. Um, and sometimes they'll say things that make sense. And sometimes they'll say things that don't make sense. So ways that you can practice this, um, you can play games with them, such as every time putting out a list of emojis and then telling them every time you see the smiley face, I want you to say the word sad. And every time you see the sad face, I want you to say the word happy. Um, that just slows them down and they have to think sad, sad, happy, sad, happy. It's hard to do, <laughs> um, but that's a great activity that you can do with your kids um, as a warm up if you know that they have an issue um, with impulse control. It also, um, you know, the games like Simon Says is a great game for that. Um, it practices, you know, stronger listening and restraint, restraint. Um, and self-control. Games like taboo, where you have to try not to see it, say a target word, you can play that throughout the day and say, instead of saying the word um, mouse, anytime it comes up, you have to use the word um, chewing gum. I don't know, something silly like that, so that the kids are trying not to say a, a target word for the day. That actually helps them to focus on self-control a little bit. Um, they struggle also with the difference between um, academic language and multiple meaning words. And um, sometimes we expect them to learn those academic meanings for words that they get confused with the regular meanings. So, for example, some, S-O-M-E, versus some, S-U-M. You know, what it, how, how are they different? They also um, struggle with knowing that like head could mean 
being in charge of, as well as it can mean the thing on your top of your body. So um, a, a strategy that I've included in the packet too for you guys is to, when they find a word that's in the text, um, such as head, what does it mean in the text, but what's another everyday meaning? Um, I used to do that a lot with science because in science there were a lot of times that words were used um, in the text that had different everyday meanings. Um, and we used it not only to clarify the meaning of the word, but also just so that the kids would not get confused um, when they were reading those words. So there you have it. Um, this was the last executive functioning um, skill that we'll be talking about in this series, but I do have one more series that is also attached to it. Um, and I don't consider it an executive functioning, even though it's in this book, um, but it is very important to understanding comprehension and understanding stories, and that's social aspects. Um, so we're going to get a little bit into kids who have trouble with reading social cues um, and have trouble with social emotional things and how that can impact their reading in our next podcast, which will be published next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's chat. Follow me on TPT or Instagram for more tips and resources at the other end of the reading rope. See you next week. Now go home.